Welcome to another episode of Unafraid with Josh and Nate. Let's get to the show. Welcome to part two of our episode with Pastor Jody Mays. One of the uh, the the lines from the movie that was really, really interesting to me is that when Greg Lowry was on this search, he says, I want my name to mean something, you know, and it's like, that's, that's powerful. And now we can look at that in two ways, right? We can look at that in, in what the world thinks of like a legacy, right? And, and what that world thinks is, you know, power, money, um, you know, I'm going to leave something behind for the future generations. Yeah. But in the same sense, Christianity also looks at it in leaving, leaving something behind for future generations. And it's just not focused on the things of the world. It's focused right. on the things of the spirit. And earlier you said it, it was, it was early in your Christian walk that you realized about the general generational curses. And Nathan actually wrote something that, um, uh, he shared with me earlier today that I thought was really interesting on the concept of legacy. And uh, Nate, if you'll pull that up and read it. Yeah, so I, I started off with that what the Britannica Dictionary lists the definition of legacy as, which is something such as property or money that is received from someone who has died, something that happened in the past or that comes from someone in the past. And for some reason, this image of a sample envelope just started uh, populating in my head and from that I got this thought that I wrote down where it's, I said a legacy is something that you leave behind it's your words and thoughts now reflecting how you chose to live out your life it's how people will remember you it's the stamp on the envelope everything you felt that was important in life has been drafted written out practiced and applied folded up neatly in that envelope that has been sealed the recipient is made clear on the outside the stamp is the final touch to make sure it gets to your intended audience. There are no more words for you to say, no more thoughts of yours once the last word is read from the letter. Man, you got to send me that, man. I'm a legacy guy right now, man. At my age, man, I'm just, it's my passion of legacy of, uh, um, well, why, why don't, why don't you speak a little bit to that on where, pre-Christian where your legacy was headed okay. in a worldly view versus now 1973 post-Christian okay. what you believe that legacy looks like. Okay. That's really good, Josh. Um, so I got zero legacy from my mom and dad. They, uh, not a spiritual legacy Certainly not a financial legacy. They never owned a home. They never had any money. We had to, all the kids had to pitch in to bury them. And so, and so I know what it's, and, and what I found, even in my own life, brother, was when I was doing all the wrong things, I was just following the example of what, you know, generations had done in my life. They were alcoholics and addictions and all those things. And so when I began, when I looked at the second commandment and, you know, it talks about that, uh, you know, the sins of the father will be passed down to the second, third generations, but it says to those who hate me. And then I love it, you know, Nate, where it goes, but to those that love me, I'll say thousands of generations. Mm -hmm. And so I just... I've always kind of looked at it with three or four generations that um, if you were to ask me, what, what are you leaving behind? I would, I, my hope was I would be able to say that I've passed the faith on to um, my kids, their mates, their grandkids, and hopefully their mates and their kids. And that's the four generations. And, and so I am huge into that. I mean, I, but, I, but it's not something new. I've always gone that I want the decision that Joanne and I made to go all in with Jesus. And that we, and I loved what that said, you know, you're being an example. I want to be an example to them and it changes the generations to come, but especially for the ones that 
I'm going to live to see, which would be possibly my grandkids may have a, a great grandkid. And so I want to, man, I just, I don't have any regrets. I want to make sure that, man, when I'm done here, that I can lay on that bed and just go, you know, <laughs> because of what uh, Jesus did for us, because he, he is the hero of my story. I am really not the hero. And uh, I was rescued and everything was paid for me. And if I can lay there and go, man, all of my kids and grandkids and great grandkids all know the Lord and have a relationship with the Lord then I will feel like my life mattered. You know, brother, I never, I pastored a big church. Uh, it became a big church. It, never, we, it, it was a couple hundred people when I became the lead pastor. I was the associate and the founding pastor fell and, um, and we had about 200 people left. We were in a school. And when I left Denver 15 years later, we had over 2,000 people there and I mean, I got to where I just didn't enjoy leading such a big church because I'm really a shepherd leader. And uh, But I tell people, I tell young pastors that it was I've never had a goal that, oh, I want to pastor a mega church. And a lot of guys do. Oh, man, if I could only get a big church. And that was never, I never had that goal. And I think, My, I think, you have to be careful in setting that as a goal because not a good that's goal. a that's a goal that can be seen as like you're you're idolizing something other than God. If we're putting God as the forefront, right, then that's our story saying. should always be chasing God and leading others to Him. And if we're putting our goals such as I want a mega church, right? You know, when Nathan and I started this podcast, one of the things I shared with him is I was like, I said. You know, I don't I don't care if monetization ever comes from this. Yeah, that'd be great. But if one person can get saved, then it was all worth it. And I think that's the mindset that we need to always try to keep as Christians is that everything that we're doing in life, are we reflecting God? Are we reflecting right. Jesus? For me, legacy has always been kind of a word with too much power to it for me to fully understand. And it's been a word that scared me in the sense that I guess I've kind of fed myself the lie that leg that good legacies are only meant for certain people. A, a lot of other people are going to go through their life and not leave any type of a legacy behind. And, and I, when I, my early thoughts on legacy is, is somebody like, Dave Ramsey, who's leading this financial revolution, right? Yeah. And he's he's when he passes away, people are still going to be studying his stuff for decades to come, you know. Uh, or I think about Keith Green, this musician from back in the day that was just on fire for Christ and and a big inspiration for me when I became a Christian. When not not when I became a Christian, but later in my Christianity, uh, became a big inspiration for me. But but just the way that he died at such a young age, age 28, and he still talked to and, and revered in the Christian community, talked about. And for me, I never thought that that's anything that was for me. And, and if I allowed myself to start thinking that way, I was afraid that I'd start getting a big head like, well, okay, how do I become the next Dave Ramsey? Or how do I become the next Billy Graham? Um, and what you were, you said something a moment ago, I, I can't remember how you said it, but basically if I were to pass away suddenly, then the one thing that I'd want my children to know is that I love them unconditionally and I love God unconditionally and that they were taken care of and loved after by the people that remained and that they continued their faith. And that they had no questions about their dad and who he was, but they knew everything about him, about me. Uh, and so that that's learning learning how how I want to go about my legacy is something that I'm struggling with and, and challenging myself on lately. But that's that's one thing that I've definitely come under the realization of. If if anything at all, as as long as my children and my wife 
knows once I'm gone, they have no questions left for me, you know, but they know everything. And uh, I got a word of encouragement from Josh a little while ago. Uh, one of the podcasts that we put out there, we we have this coworker, this, this person that reached out and said that she had heard what I was talking about and how I was talking about structure and the importance of going to church and decided that she herself wanted to start going to church and taking her children to church and decide that that's what she was going to do. And she said, because of what Nathan was saying on the podcast. And that just, I, I, I never pictured myself being that type of a person that, that other people could look towards and be like, okay, if he's trying to figure it out, I can try to figure it out as well. Well, brother, I, I just want to encourage you here because, uh, and I mean, it's so heartfelt that uh, um, like I said, I never had the desire to be a, you know, mega pastor. All My goal was, and I tell people this, that, um, that when I die, that uh, my family, Joanne, and my kids, my family, my tribe, that they love God, that they love the church, God's church, because a lot of pastor's kids don't, mm-hmm. rightfully so, and and that they love me. And uh, and so, <laughs> uh, so that's always been my goal. And but just you and your wife, if you if you take it and just chart it out, I've got a chart at home where I just took Julian and Jody, first both first generation Christians in each of our families, and then we had two kids, and then they got married, then they've each had two kids, and then and you go down, and in four generations, there'll be forty eight people, at least forty eight people's life that your life changed you see what i mean Mm -hmm. wow and you and and brother it says there in that scripture that for those that love me i will bless thousands of generations and wouldn't it be cool to go where did this all start and they chase your tree back like something happened right here with these two little hippie little (laughs) jody joy and the little hippie kids you know Mm -hmm. little little flower children getting married out on the mountaintop you know, and uh, that, man, all of these generations after them all followed Christ. And that's the power that we have, you have, brother. And so, man, don't even waste your time trying to be like those guys, those mega guys. I'm like, man, you know. That reminds me of the promise that God gave Abraham. You know, it's like, he said, your your descendants will be countless like the sands. Sands. And, and you think about how much sand is on a beach, you know, millions and millions and millions. But yet Abraham only had two kids, you know, one that was a blessed generation because he had it Absolutely. in his marriage and one that was not because yeah. he had it with a handmaiden. Right. And those are the two biggest religions that are in the world now. Absolutely. And it all stems from that promise from him, of God. From Abraham. Yeah. yeah. And that just reminds me of that, that you think of that family tree that started with one, Abraham, and now you have countless numbers of the sands. Three, isn't that amazing, Abraham? Three, three different major religions all look at Abraham yeah. as kind of the kind of the patriarch of it all. Yeah. Three Jews. Yeah, I said Christians, two a while ago, but you're yeah, right. I, I was leaving out Judaism. And they all you know, like it's... point back to Abraham. Yeah. He didn't even have a didn't even have a kid, and yeah. God's promise to him was, "Man, I'm gonna give you a, a son, and and you're gonna impact, you know, thousands of generations." Yeah, that's incredible, man. Oh my god! So, Whew. Uh so why something I have written down here, and something that you've said in a sermon that you preached on this recently was that um, failure was not an option. Mm. And I'm curious to dive into that and okay. what your mindset was, because again, you came from a broken home. You can't, um, your dad died when you were young, not right. broken, I should say, right. but then you never had that father figure. And so it, a lot of times up until this man hugged you and said, I love you, you had been let down by people in your past. You had been let down. So how, how do you move from that to now saying failure is not an option? Um, 
So part of pastoring this big church, I, I hit the wall. I burned out. I did. And because uh, it was just overwhelming. A, a shepherd leader like me, I, you know, it just got too big where I didn't know people's names and I didn't know their stories. And so I you went. You felt disconnected. I did. A little bit. Well, and a guy told me, he said, I tell you, Jody, but the bigger your church gets, the more isolated you will be. And I'm like, what? Wow. And he was exactly right. So anyway, so I go to the top Christian counselor. My elders go, man, we got to get Jody well. And to to, um, the top Christian counselor in Denver who took care of all the promise keeper um, staff. And he, he was amazing. And he said, after 12 sessions with him, he said, I've never had a client that is so resolute to not be like their mother and father than you, your stepfather and your mom. I've never seen you are resolute. I am not going to be like that. Because, I, like I said, I hate to say it, but I got nothing from them, you know. Um, but I have some interesting stories that go with that. But... Uh, but I was just, and I, and I always said that I could, I could handle failing in ministry. And in one, one situation, I felt I did fail. And I left the ministry for a year and thought, I'm, I don't think I'm very good at this and left. But I said, I can handle failing as a pastor, but I don't think I can handle failing as that. And so, so. And so what I did was just went all in on it, you know? I mean, um, I was an athlete. My stepfather or mother were never at one game. I played three different sports, never a game. And so I, I just did the opposite. So I went to every game. And I remember I shocked my staff. I had 21 staff members that hit this church, Foothills in Denver. And I told them, I said, you know, you can work at some churches – and if you go to your kid's game during office hours when you should be working, you'll be fired. I'm saying at this church, you don't go to your kid's game, you're fired. Wow. And I'm not messing around. I mean it. That's powerful. I Man, expect I love you that. to be at your kid's games. I want them to see that dad, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a big crybaby, but I am when I start talking about legacy and I talk about my yeah. family. And so it just wasn't, I was going to do whatever it took to study, to learn how. But in some ways, I tell people it was easy for me, Nathan, because I just basically did the opposite of my stepdad. So in some ways, it was easier. You know, he never yeah. hugged me and kissed me. And so I'd hug my kids every day, two, three, four times. Have I told you I love you, Dad? Yeah, Dad, like five. That's the fifth time you told me I love you. love me. Uh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> But I just wanted to make sure. So in some ways, I, I just did the opposite. Well, it's like what you said. Um, you know, you had never gotten that growing up. Right. Until you experienced that with the man at, at the church. And for the first time in your life, you felt love from another man. Another man. And first you time. now want to make sure your children never go without that. That's exactly right. That's, that's powerful. That's exactly um, right. Uh, another one of the things that you said um, was there are two important decisions that you can make in your life that will direct your legacy. Okay. Do you uh, do you want to share what those were? Yeah, sure. I uh, I boiled it down to two decisions, most important decisions of your life mm-hmm. will be first and foremost, what do you do with Jesus Christ? Are you going to reject him or are you going to love him? That's crucial. But the second one is that uh, who you marry. And, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, you know, says to us, don't be unequally yoked. You know, that it's really important to marry Christians, marry Christians. And uh, and so if you were to ask, if you were asking my grandkids, you know, what's Papa, what's Papa say that's the two most important? They just spout them right off, man. They just like, what we do with Jesus and who we marry. And um, and we just, uh, our first grandchild just got married a week ago. And uh, 
and it's a granddaughter, our firstborn granddaughter. And, uh, and, uh, and so I was able to say to this guy, they go, you know, man, I have prayed for you for 22 years and I've never known your name. You mentioned that during your, when you preached on Sunday yeah. and that stuck out to me being a, being a father of two girls. Absolutely. That stuck out to me. Like, why have I not thought to do that? Brother, I was you, so happy you said that. Oh, brother. And God, man, it's like God goes, that dad was serious. He's praying for those two little girls that are who they marry. Yeah. Because, brother, I've counseled, I mean, I, I counsel the people at Vertical. You know, I'm the care pastor. And, man, I just go, man, you know, it just confirms every time that, man, you just get, if you get those two things right, you're just going to live a great life and a great eternity. Yeah, not just life here on earth, but I mean, literally, you know, you for eternity. I mean, it just seems so natural to to pray for your children and pray that the best things happen to them. But it's it's really outside the box thinking, I think, to think about well, what about the people that they're going to come in contact with? They're also going to influence their life Absolutely. when I'm not around, and that yeah. one of those big people would be a spouse. Absolutely. Like, so why would you not want to? pray for the best possible outcome for this person you've never met before, but you know, one day you're going to meet. That's right. Or you hoped at least. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it's great. Well, brothers, it's, uh, it's life changing stuff, but I love what Sean, pastor Sean, he was kind of walking me through some thoughts he had about the, you know, that particular sermon to finish that series on arrows, you know, and, and he, he, I didn't think of it this way, but he said, man, when God thinks of marriages, he thinks in terms of generations. Mm-hmm. It's not just who we marry, but that the decision we make will change, potentially change thousands of generations, Nathan. I mean, brother, I mean, in the kingdom, you're like, if you, you have incredible influence and legacy, just yeah. one guy. Just one guy. I mean, we're both, Joanne and I are both first generation born again Christians, and it just changes everything. And I think one of the biggest issues we see in culture today um, and why divorce rates are so high is that people aren't willing to have, my, my wife and I, when we first got together and we decided this is the direction we're heading, the one thing that we said was divorce is not an option. You know, we can go through struggles and God knows we have. You know, it, but when you when you turn your foundation back to Jesus and when you start to put your eyes on him and act the way that you know you should be acting with love, as we discussed earlier, you know, all of that comes back and all of those resolutions can be made and we we can literally sit there and say, divorce is not an option, you know? And if we act that way and we act love and, and too common in today's world, people, people tend to think that, well, I don't feel like I'm in love anymore. And they forget that love is also an action. I like that, Josh. And again, like to, to everything that we've been talking about today, if we can show love to one another, set ourselves apart from the world by doing so, yeah. it can just bring a revival that we've never, we have we haven't seen before. That's also one of the things that my dad instilled in me. That was one of his big things that he's always said growing up is that divorce is not an option. It's just, it's never, you know, there are going to be trials and tribulations. Oh, sure. And marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but jumping to the mindset of, well, I guess this is over. It's just not going to be uh, an option on his part. And that, and that truly affected me to where, when I got into my marriage, that was the same thing. Like divorce is not an option. And, and I remember like shortly into first two years or something like that, like it, it was a struggle. And I was thinking, how is divorce not an option? Like, like <laughs> I, it seems like the only option. I understand. <laughs> but you know, my dad, my dad, he didn't brainwash me into it, but, but just seeing him live his life that way, you know, it really influenced how I saw marriage and how seriously I took it when I decided at the age of 30 to get married. 
I, I love it. I, uh, you know, I, I counsel people all the time and, uh, and, uh, talk. And when the divorce, when the D, when the D word comes up, it changes the whole, it, it changes the whole conversation, mm-hmm. you know, as long as divorce is not really even a part of the discussion, I have I always have hope, but in, as soon as it's introduced, it changes the whole dynamic. Because it only takes one person to get divorced and take two. Just yeah. one person just go, I'm just done. Mm-hmm. And scripture says that, uh, that uh, Moses allowed divorce because of the hardness of the people's hearts. And I see that all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, Joanne and I, our first 10 years, we didn't know how to be married or anything. You know, they were a little rough, but we never considered divorce. <laughs> Kiddingly, they go murder a number of times, but never divorce. <laughs> but, 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 uh, uh, but when when two people let their hearts get hard towards each other, even Moses just goes, you know, I, I mean, I'm a uh, I'm a realist. I realize that if one person's heart grows hard towards the other, there's nothing we can do. I mean, we're going to do everything we can to try to save the marriage, but. And that's why we always have to guard our heart and keep it soft, especially towards our mates. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's tough. I mean, I would say, you know, I, I mentioned that raising kids is one of the toughest things I've done. Uh, raising grandkids is the easiest thing I've ever done. But being married has been probably, you know, the toughest thing I've done because, you know, it reveals all of our you know, self-centeredness and sinfulness. And poor Joanne, you know, I mean, I, I just was totally dysfunctional. I thought that marriage in my raising every night, my stepmother, stepfather and mother fought every night, every night. And I remember as a little boy laying in bed and going, God, if you're there, would you please just make my parents quit fighting? You know, so I'm just crying out, you know, not even knowing if there's a God there or whatever, just please stop the fighting. So I brought it that into the marriage that, I guess that's just what you do. You know, you just fight and you're angry. And I'm like, man. So, you know, we bring those, that's like those generational sins that are being brought down that I had to break those. But the beauty of that, brother, is we really can break them. Yeah. They're broken. And it right. says, we just love God and, and we go, Lord, we're living for you and we're going to pass it on to our kids and our grandkids. And God goes, man, you're going to see incredible blessings of God. And so when I think of legacy, I think actually in terms, um, and my, my son always loves to hear this, but um, that obviously spiritual legacy, that's most important, that we pass down the faith and that I live in a way that the whole family goes, you know, mom and dad, man, they've led the way. And because and, Joanne, she's just like me. I mean, she was the first generation. She reads her Bible all the time and she's grown from Catholic little Catholic farm girl to, I mean, she's a godly woman. And, and so we both, I mean, they, the kids, grandkids kid me, they go, well, you know, Papa, you can put us on your prayer list, but we really want on mammal's prayer list. <laughs> mammal's prayers get like answered. When you got saved, did your relationship with your stepfather change in any way? Okay. You ready for this? Okay. You want a great story? Am I going too long? No, go ahead. Okay. You can edit this out. That's a great story. So early on when I was a Christian, still up in Denver at that little church, uh, the preacher preached on honoring your mother and father. And I'd never heard like voices before, but I mean, I literally heard inside of me, the Holy Spirit say to me, Jody, I want you to call your, your dad and ask him for forgiveness. And I'm like... <laughs> He needs to call me. I'm having this conversation. You know, I didn't understand how the Holy Spirit worked. And the Holy Spirit's saying, I want you to call him and ask him for forgiveness. And I'm like, but I'm having this self-conversation. I'm like, hell no. He needs to call me and ask me for forgiveness. And, and then I heard this little voice like say, Jody, I want you to call your stepdad and ask him for forgiveness. And so I'm like, okay. So this was back when the telephones, you had this little <laughs> little circle. Rotary, rotary dial. Rotary dial. You boys don't know what 
the joy of a rotary dial. So oh, I grew up with one. <laughs> so when you get a rotary dial, that last number, you know, you can hold it. Like, man, do I'm I really want to make? Yeah, this I let well let this go, man. I can't believe I'm doing this. So, so anyway, so I'm glad y'all brought this up because this is another great story. And so he gets on the phone, you know, and um, and I told him, I said, Dad, I need to ask your forgiveness, and um, because I've had hatred in my heart towards you, I want to thank you for providing a you know, a, a home house for me to live in, food, and and uh, I just want you to. I'm asking you to forgive me. Got real quiet, and he's like, you know, didn't know what to do. You know, oh okay. So I hung up. And thought, okay, I'm glad that's over. That was really hard. So, and this is before I became a pastor. But what God was revealing to me, I can't. I'll not be able to use you as a pastor if you're. If you hate your stepdad, yeah, angry and hate and unforgiving towards your stepdad, I didn't realize that. You can't serve if you got resentment. Yeah, and well, it says right that... there, honor your mother and father. And I'm just like, well, forget that commandment, you know. Yeah. And so, Jody, if I'm going to use you, you don't know that because I I wasn't a pastor at the time. I was just a simple believer. So then I became a pastor, and I was pastoring that big church in Denver, and, and I'd share the Lord with my dad, stepdad, and he'd always reject it, and and I, you know, I just go, man, I'm just going to keep praying for him, you know, and I'm going to keep loving him. I learned that, man, you just love him to Jesus, you know. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to love you. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to tell you I love you. You're like, mm-hmm. but. Uh, so he got real sick. He smoked every day, and he got real sick and got cancer of the throat. And uh, and my mom called me one time in Denver when I was pastoring and, uh, and said, Jody, Dad wants to talk to you. Can you fly down? I go, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So, so I fly down. He's laying in bed, and his tongue is protruded out of his mouth. He can't even put his tongue in his mouth. And, wow. I mean, can't throw cancer is horrible. I tell people, don't smoke, man, if you could see, you know. But anyway, so I sat on his bed, and I told him. See, he had terrible guilt because when he told his wife that he was leaving her for my mother, she killed herself. Ugh. She, My stepbrothers were just little boys, came in from elementary school, and the mother's head was put in the stove, and the gas was turned on, and, uh, and so she committed suicide hmm. so he had incredible guilt that he carried one reason why i think he became an alcoholic because he just had so much guilt and so i sat on the side of the bed and i just go you know dad um we've had this conversation but i want to have it again jesus christ died for your sins and you could be forgiven all in your sins dad and uh, would you like to give your life to christ and I'd never seen him cry, and tears started coming down his face. And I said, he couldn't talk. I said, so if you're trusting Christ, just blink, blink your eyes at me so I know you know what we're talking about. And he, oh, he blinked his eyes. And so, and so I thought, I got on the plane. I thought, man, I think that was real. So it was probably two or three weeks, dead asleep, middle of the night, and I had this dream. I'm not a big dreamer, but I had this dream. And all I could see was my dad, and it was really bright. It was so bright, I'm like in this dream. And he's like, has this face of joy. I mean, like, joy. I mean, I'm, and, I'm, and I wake up, and it's pitch dark, and I'm like, man, that was weird. Mm. That was weird. Yeah. Seven o'clock in the morning, the phone rings, and my mom goes, "Dad died last night." Wow! It was God showing me that he was he, he was home. That you were obedient. You asked his forgiveness. You loved him unconditionally, and in his time of greatest need, you were able to lead him to Christ. What and an unexpected outcome! And, oh, brother! And oh, especially brother. for you to be living that in the moment and still trusting. Okay. This is uncomfortable. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this. That's had exactly. you not listened. That's right. Well, it's simple I mean, obedience. It takes me back to the greatest commandment that we brought up earlier. Yeah. And I think the part that's overlooked a lot in the greatest commandment, and I actually taught this on a lesson to KOZ boys one week, was so love your love your 
Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The yourself part gets left out a lot because you think about it. Your dad carried this guilt for a long time. You know, it led to alcoholism. It led to all sorts of things in his life that hindered him from showing love to you in the appropriate manner. So if we really analyze that and say, I can only love others how I love myself, it's really important to reflect on that. So we have to be able to love ourselves the way that Christ loves us before we can truly reflect that love outwardly towards others as well. And that's why you see a lot of the issues that go on today is because people don't know how to love themselves. I would agree with that, Josh. Uh, I remind people of that. It's interesting that how that, those last couple of words always get left out because yeah. you ask them, and, and I do it in counseling all the time, so tell me what the great commandment is. Well, love God and love people. And I go, and? And they're like, what? You know, No, that's, that's not all it said. What, is that? what else does it say? And then I have to pull it out and actually show them. Love, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we don't extend grace to ourselves. And, and I have always had to kind of struggle with that, you know, that to the loving of myself. And, and Satan always uses, like, my past to be the accuser of the saints and to accuse me of what I was. And I have to always remind him, yeah, what I was, I'm not that anymore for 50 years. I mean, and before, the, before, you know, even life itself, um, because my calling to the ministry, this old wise pastor that's probably like me now, but he was like in his 70s and I was a young guy. And I told him, I said, man, I feel a call to the ministry, but I just don't feel worthy. And I'm not, I don't like speaking in front of people. And I was giving him all the excuses. And he said, I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. And Jeremiah chapter 1 says, I knew you even before you were in your mom's womb. I had a plan for your life. You're going to be a preacher, you know. And, and Jeremiah's like, oh, man, I, you know, I don't speak very good. You know, you know, no, it says I'll be with you. And so I, my calling to ministry was simply by taking Jeremiah chapter 1. Wow. And so what do you, what do you think the name of my son is? Jeremiah. Exactly. Yeah. My son is Jeremiah. That's powerful. So my son's name is Jeremiah. And uh, because that was uh, the scripture that God called this really bad guy that uh, was just willing to go, man, I'm just going all in with Jesus. So, so we're talking about legacy there. Legacy. And we see god's legacy was jesus absolutely and the same thing happened with jesus when he was approaching nathaniel is he hadn't even seen nathaniel yet but then was able to tell him everything that he did <laughs> and so in the same way that yeah. god was telling jeremiah i knew you before you even knew yourself jesus reflects that same image in this passage talking to nathaniel because he says i wasn't even here and i knew you right. and it's a really really wow. powerful way to view that you know God's legacy was Jesus to come and die on the cross for us so that our sins could be forgiven and we could all be joined again. Yeah, we all be family, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of God that we're, that we're adopted in. And say I'm adopted because my, my real name is Joe Don Flack. My, that was my original name. And then my stepfather adopted me, so it was Mays. But in Romans, it talks about us being adopted. And just as and adoption in Old Testament, you realize it, that if you're adopted into a family, you have full rights to your part of the inheritance. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He like, I paid the price for you. We've adopted you into our big old family here, and you're going to have uh, all of the the uh, inheritance. It will be in equal measures, you know, the blessings of God on us. And you just go, man, man. So how could you not, you yeah. know, love Jesus, you know, for what He's done for us? I mean, greater love has no man than this. He gives His life for His friends, and you go, man, how could you? reject Jesus, you know? 
So not to shut this down unless it's the direction it's headed, but I just wanted to, while it was fresh on my mind, state two takeaways that I got while speaking to you. Okay. Um, Cause we, yeah, we were focused primarily on legacy and what that's going to look like for us when, when, when our time comes, but you had talked about yourself being a bad guy and then, you know, at a young age, relatively young age as an adult, accepting Christ and leading your family that direction. Right. And you've still got hopefully a good portion of the race to run, mm-hmm. but you've, you've done it with God by your side. Whereas to your dad on his deathbed accepted Christ. Yep. And so it's never too late to share the gospel or accept the gospel until it's too late. You know, like, like once that breath has left your body, you're you're no longer gonna get a chance to hear the gospel again. You're no longer gonna get a chance to accept the gospel. So I I think that there there I didn't know that story about your dad about your stepdad. I'm so glad that we got you to share that with us because I think that it's very important to show that you went on your own journey and you've had time with the Lord and it's been beautiful and blessed and you're and you know when you pass away that you're where you're going. And in the same right, your stepdad messed it all up his entire life based off of what you were saying. That's true. And didn't until the, the deathbed decide all of a sudden, you know what? Okay. Jody's onto something where I'm going to, I'm going to listen. And because of that, you now I'm, I'm assuming have a pretty good feeling that, that he's, up in heaven oh, absolutely. with your heavenly father. Oh, there's no question about it. And he's going to be the type of guy that you really want to get to know once you're up there. I, I can't wait. Well, it's I like, it's wait. like what you said yourself earlier, Jody, was that in the same way that Jesus was pursuing you. Yes. Jesus never stopped pursuing your father and he used you as a vessel for that, you know? And, and so that's exactly what Jesus does. He continues to pursue us even though we try to push him away time and time again until we finally say, okay, and surrender and release it over to him. Um, you, did you have another? No, I just, that, that was yeah. it. Is that, is that it's, it's never too late till it's too late. And man, if, if your listeners just get that, that mm-hmm. never give up on anyone until they no longer are breathing. Yeah. And because, and the thief of the cross, what a beautiful story. You know, all these stories, you're just like, oh man, you know, thief on the cross, man, just uh, got it right there at the very end, man. Yeah. And, uh, and well, said today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. Man, it's when powerful. you finish, when you take your last breath, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what is this place? This is unbelievable. I don't deserve this at all. And he said, well. Right, breathing your last breath, man. You made the right choice of what I do with Jesus, because the other guy rejected him. Remember? Yep, the other guy rejected yeah. him, and you know it's just the Bible. And even at that, he rebuked like the one that accepted Christ rebuked yeah. the other in his yeah. final time yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just to get some final thoughts out there okay. before we wrap this up, I would love to hear your final thoughts on. We've now talked about how we can leave a legacy for our family, how can our Christian legacy, how can we use it to shape our culture and our society as we know it? You know, I saw that one. Gosh, man, I'll tell you. Um, I'm not sure I had an answer at the time for that uh, because, I mean, culture right now is just so overwhelming you know it's just golly it's just overwhelming for you know even for me you know and I've been through a lot and uh, but I guess brother that we just uh, uh, we all the only the only person that I can change and I have I've had to come to this conclusion after all the churches I've led and preached to thousands of people and whatever. But the only person I can really change is me. 
I mean, really. And, and I hate to say that, but after 50, 45 years in the ministry, that my conclusion is two things. One is that people pretty much do what they want to do. You know, I can pour into them all I can. And the other thing is, is that, you know, in, in counseling, it's always like, can you help me fix my husband? My husband's the one screwed up. And I tell him, I go, you know, you need to pray for your husband, but I'm going to focus on you. I'm trying to get you changed because you, you need to change. And so I would say to any individual is that your focus needs to be on that Jesus Christ, I allow Jesus to change my life into Christ likeness and I will and God will use me to affect the culture you know because it's kind of overwhelming when you just go gosh how do you you know change the public schools and how do you change culture uh but the only thing I put people on is that how can you change me Jesus Hmm. And if I and I mean the whole purpose of what y'all said, if this just changes one person, mm-hmm. but you know that one person may change the world. Yeah, the, I can't remember the story of Billy Graham. We talked about him being mm-hmm. at that expo thing. That uh, I can't remember the story of him, but it was some shoe salesman guy or whatever led another guy, the guy that led Billy Graham to Christ. Uh, some shoe guy just selling shoes witness to this guy and he gets saved and then that guy becomes a little famous but he led Billy Graham to Christ and Billy Graham led more people to Christ than anybody in history and so you never know you know you never know what's going to happen but you kind of said that at the beginning we both did that all we can do is plant seeds but but just to try to go, I just want to be the best me that I can be. I want to be as much like Christ um, that I can be so that hopefully, you know, some people will go, you know, you know, it, 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 that guy, uh, you know, he was, he was a mess. But Jesus Christ changed his life totally. But I don't get any of the glory, man, because I'm not, I'm not capable of saving myself. I need a Savior. You know, and so I try to be humble because I'm like, oh, man, it's it's all Jesus. I was a, left to my own vices, man. I was a mess until Christ came into my life. But and I, th- I think it's me. I think it's it's great to also think about the fact that when you again listen to God about talking to your father. He wasn't receptive at that time. That's right. But there was a seed planted that you didn't realize. And that's true. And I'm sure you were discouraged after that phone call. Greatly, yes. I you was. know, you did not see <laughs> that, the deathbed no, scene playing out. No. Because I hadn't been written. It was years yet. after that. It was years. And you of, spent time since then planting other seeds. I felt like a complete failure with my... You know, this is a good point, brother, because... When we left Denver saved and changed, we moved back to Fort Worth where my whole family was. And man, I'm like, man, I'm going to lead all my family to Christ, man. This is, this. I've got what the family needs. And man, I went back and man started sharing and witnessing. And man, they all just like, we like Jody better on drugs. We, <laughs> we don't like this new guy. And so, man, I just felt completely rejected. We lived there about eight years when I was finishing school, and and uh, and I left there just like felt like the biggest failure. Like, man, I came back here to try to lead them to Christ, and I'm not sure any of them came to Christ. But I loved them and witnessed to them. But I was looking the other day that uh, almost every one of them, with the exception of my big brother, uh, and I'm not sure about my mom. I hate to say that, but my mom was really all tied up in a lot of really bad stuff. But all the rest of them have come to Christ. In fact, there's only two, there's only three of us left, my little brother and little sister, and they both love Jesus. And, um, and so God was just faithful to, uh, you know, even though I felt like a complete failure as, uh, in my efforts in the flesh to lead them to Jesus. And I just had to pray and trust and, just keep praying for them, keep loving them, even though it's really hard at times. You know, I'm just like, man, sheesh. 
But you know, Jeremiah, that guy preached forever, man. Never had any converts. You know, you read the book yeah. of Jeremiah, it's like lamentations, man. He's like, well, man, this ministry stuff's hard, boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you just be faithful and plant seeds. Yeah, we and, li- and live your life in a way where your where your family goes, man. My dad loved Jesus, and he loved us. We never know the legacy that that seed's gonna Brother, produce. It can, it can change thousands of generations. And if we're not planting that seed, then we're we're just not giving that legacy a chance to thrive. That's right. That's right. But just love those kids, man. Focus on the. Yep. Your, you're gonna you're gonna be one of those guys. I'm 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 journeying with y'all, and I said you invited yeah. us in. You yeah. know about some kids here. So, well, Jody, if I may, I'd like to ask you to close us out with a little prayer, if you will. Okay. Okay. Uh, Father, what a joy it is uh, to be here with these two brothers in Christ, and um, Lord, um, I just love these two guys, and Lord, you're doing a great work in them, and uh, I like really what I see, what they're doing uh, here in this room, up here in this holy place of just having conversations and with the hopes that uh, that their words will be used to um, rescue um the, the captives and those that don't know Christ. And so, Father, I pray your blessing upon this ministry and uh, this outreach and upon each of their lives and their families' lives. And, Lord, uh, uh, they're a blessing to me. And, uh, Lord, I thank you for bringing them into our life and into our church's life. And, uh, Lord, we just love them dearly and support them and pray for them. And so bless them, Lord, as only you can in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Papa Joe, thanks for coming through. Yes, My thank pleasure, you. brothers. My pleasure. See you Sunday and Tuesday. I get to see you guys twice a week. Man. Well, not this upcoming weekend. Oh, we're, we're leaving Honduras. for our cruise. Yeah. Hunting birds? Honduras. No, we're Honduras. going on. Oh, yeah, we're going to go on a cruise. Oh, man. So. Both of y'all together? Yep. Yep. All we're right. leaving our, li- our wives behind. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a good trip, man. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Unafraid with Josh and Nate. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can catch all of our new episodes. And please leave a review to help other people find our podcast.